Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. It's Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz with you. And Fizz Radio is on every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Hop aboard. It's game day, folks. Syracuse and Clemson, the Super Bowl of the regular season for the Orange. Sure, yeah, the Super Bowl where you know that you have no <laughs> shot of at winning at all. Syracuse heading down to Death Valley, and Brad, it's going to be death for the Orange today oh. around noon. Well, look, if you want to tweet at, a tweet at us for that you know, funeral service, are we calling it that? I don't know. Let's it's, pump the brakes a little bit, show a little optimism. Fine, a little optimism. <laughs> if you want to tell us why Syracuse will win, how's that? <laughs> At Orange Fizz on Twitter. Check out our content on orangefizz.net. And if you miss any of this episode, we'll podcast it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We'll put it on orangefizz.net, wherever you get your podcasts and more. Because, Thomas, we have a lot to talk about, so let's jump right in. Look, Syracuse is probably not going to win today. Okay, probably not. We've already compared it to a funeral service, so (laughs) definitely not at that point. They're 46-point dogs, so the only question is, how much will they lose by? How will they lose? Who will be the real gunslinger, the real assassin for Clemson to really put the, the chokehold on Syracuse? But now we start to look at moral victories for the Orange. How, how can they take something away from Death Valley? Because in my opinion, stopping the run would be a huge win, even if they don't cover and they lose by more than 46 points. If they're able to walk out of the state of South Carolina saying, you know what? The run game could have been better against us. That's a win. Yeah, absolutely. I think Syracuse and Dino Babers, they know going into this, well, we're facing the number one pick in the NFL draft in a year. Travis Etienne, Clemson's star running back, is probably the best running back in college football. He'll be a first-round pick. I was shocked he actually came back this year. Syracuse, they know they're not going to win. There's not really much they can do to win. It's not like 2017 where they can just kind of pull an upset. Trevor Lawrence is a whole lot better than Kelly Bryan was back then. The thing with this is just you have to try to stop something, like you said, Brent. You're not going to be able to stop Trevor Lawrence. He's going to be a superstar NFL player in just a few years. Try to stop Travis Etienne. And it's not even that you have to be an elite defense or an elite run defense. Syracuse, we all know, is not that. They allowed over 200 yards on the ground last year. They're not doing any better this year. But if you hold him to 150 yards, that's a win for this Syracuse defense and a big boost and a little bit of a confidence booster saying, if we can hold Travis Etienne to 150, well, then we shouldn't be letting up 200 to any other team in America. Well, they did let up more than 200 to a different team in America. Liberty will peg down from Clemson. And by the way, I have a piece on orangefizz.net, and it was posted on Thursday. You should go check it out. It's, It's entitled, Pick Your Poison, Travis Etienne or Trevor Lawrence. It's not a question of will Clemson beat Syracuse. It's a question of which superstar for Clemson will really flap their wings against the Orange because it's one of those two. And in my opinion, it's probably going to be Travis Etienne just because the 3-3-5 defense hasn't been able to stop the run at all. And we mentioned Liberty. We allude to Liberty. And Liberty looked like 
a bunch of Jim Browns. Ernie Davis is out there going for th nearly 340 yards on the ground against the Orange on the road. So my question is, how do they stop Travis Etienne if they can't stop Shedro Lewis? By the way, they're back up. Just a side note, they're third string. Uh, <laughs> Liberty didn't even use Joshua Mack, their starting running back. So he did not get a single carry. He was out. He was banged up a little bit. So they just said, you know what? We're going to be able to move the football without him. So how can Syracuse? It's easier said than done. How can Syracuse get any pressure on Travis Etienne or anyone wearing a white jersey with orange lettering for that matter? Well, the short answer is two words. They, they can't. Won't. Yeah. The, but here's the thing. We'll, we'll play this hypothetical. How can they do it? They're missing Eric Coley, who's their rover, right? He's the guy that is a defensive back, one of those five defensive backs, but also has some roles to contain the run. He hasn't played the past few weeks. What they need to do is put some of those five defensive backs and say, all right, we're going to crowd the box because either way, whatever we do, Clemson is going to be better. They're more talented. They have a way to beat it. If we crowd the box, they'll throw it. If we don't, they'll run it. Whatever happens, they're just going to use their other star offensive playmaker. But if you're going to, let's say, commit to stopping the run, crowd the box, eight-man, nine-man boxes all game long. Don't let Travis Etienne do anything on earth at least try to limit what he can do on the ground. And Michael Jones and Jeff Cantu Arku, Arku, excuse me, are the two best linebackers on their team. They're on this team. They're both sophomores. They're guys that can be really good. They need to show that they can hang with some of this top ACC college football talent. And if they can do that, that's a promising sign for Syracuse going into the future. Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz with you on Fizz Radio, taking you until 10 a.m. here on game day, Syracuse and Clemson. Check us out on Twitter at Orange Fizz and on our website, orangefizz.net. And Thomas, you mentioned that Syracuse is banged up and they're they're missing Eric Coley, which hurts in the run game, and it does. But ironically, I'm watching the Liberty game last week and I'm thinking, man, they miss Andre Sisco yeah. on the run game too, the run defense, because look, Andre Sisko's a safety, but with the 3-3-5, you can put him in the box, and he was pretty successful on as a run defender, too, because he's such a good tackler. And that's one of the things that Josh Black actually mentioned this week. Like, man, we just are having trouble tackling. It's not even an X's and O's thing. It's an execu execution thing, and no one was better at executing the 3-3-5 than Andre Sisko. And you want to talk, even if he is a safety, and even if he's not in the box— how many runs did Shedro Lewis go for that just felt like the length of the field? He had a 52-yarder. He had a 75-yarder. If he could do it, Travis Etienne's going to make this a track meet. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, speaking of Josh Black in the weekly press conference, if you want to check out everything he said, everything Aaron Service says, we've got an article about that on our website as well, orangefizz.net. But Josh Black basically said, look, some of those home run runs, they should have just been eight or nine yard gains. And yeah. We didn't tackle. We didn't get them. And the thing, like you mentioned, Brad, Andre Cisco, he didn't really take a lot of bad angles. Syracuse is playing a lot of young secondary guys right now. Rob Hanna's one of them. Garrett Williams, another, except both those guys have been playing well. Jihad Carter is a third, but they don't have anybody else. Yes. And I, I want to piggyback on what you're saying right now, because before the show, you were telling me, man, I just love Marlo Wax. Mm -hmm. And that's all well and good. But Marlo <laughs> Wax, Josh, I mean, Rob Hanna. Jihad All these Carter. Jihad Carter, they are not ready to no. play Clemson. And honestly, after the Liberty game, they might not be ready to play D1 football right now just no. because they're too young. And that's okay. Okay, they're allowed to be too young. But you're asking them to execute. You're asking them to tackle big guys that are heavier, that are quite frankly smarter than them right now. And that's a tall task. To go against Clemson and ask Rob Hanna to make a big tackle in the open field, to ask Marlo Wax to make a big tackle in the open field, Jihad Carter, it's too much to ask. 
They are just too young to tackle right now. They're too young to have a good defense. That's not an indictment on Tony White. It's not an indictment on anyone that's been successful for Syracuse at all. They're just too young, and that's okay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Tony White's defense, those first couple of games against UNC Pitt when they actually had players healthy, they were good. Yeah. No defense is going to be successful right now with all of these injuries. And, Brad, there's one guy, or there was one guy on this Syracuse roster who you would stack toe-to-toe with players on Clemson, their safeties, their secondary, and say, this guy's just as good as them. That's Andre Sisco. He probably was going to be a first-round pick before his entry. We'll see how that affects his draft stock. Now Syracuse, not only do they not have other guys. Look, don't get me wrong. Trill Williams is a good player. Anthony Melifonwu, too. Neither of those guys are close to Clemson caliber. And now that's that's your star players on the team. You're playing a lot of freshmen, a lot of guys who, yeah, they, they got burned by Liberty. They didn't take good angles. They allowed Liberty to do whatever they wanted. Syracuse... It's just, look, man, they're not prepared to play this game in any fashion, whether it's skill-wise, whether it's injuries, whatever it might be. It's going to be a really long day in Death Valley today. The other thing is, I feel like we've spent the first half of this season praising the 3-3-5 for two reasons. Mm -hmm. One, the offense has been that bad, where we need something to talk about in a relatively positive light. And the 3-3-5 has been relatively positive, mostly because of the turnover margin. Because they force more more turnovers than any other defense in the country, which is something to be proud of, by the way. That doesn't mean that you're good at tackling. That doesn't mean that you're good at necessarily executing. That just means that the 3-3-5 is fooling people early, which is good. That's not going to happen against Clemson. It's just not. Trevor Lawrence is really good for a lot of really interesting reasons, one of them being he knows this offense inside and out. And uh, it's going to be a problem because he hasn't turned the ball over. He just threw his first interception of the year last week in a 73-7 to romping of Georgia Tech. And Travis Etienne, who we're talking up to, he only has one fumble this year. Well, I mean, Trevor Lawrence said after that, he said, man, I... I was trying to go all year without throwing a pick. And he, in the ACC against some of the competition he's playing besides Miami, Notre Dame, he could have probably done it. And Brad, let me tell you, he's not really, I don't think Trevor Lawrence is looking at Syracuse's defensive schemes this week. He might be looking at like the Buffalo Bills defensive yeah. scheme. They play the New York Jets, yeah. who of course have been calling into the Clemson press conferences because they're a little bit interested in Trevor Lawrence being a number one pick in the NFL draft if they get that pick. <laughs> there's just, there's no, look, man, you're true freshman going up against the most talented NFL draft prospect we've seen since what Andrew Luck Peyton Manning yeah you there's no way there's just no way you just cannot do it against somebody of this caliber and Dabo Sweeney if, if for some crazy reason Trevor Lawrence struggles he'll just say all right Let's go to Travis Etienne. Let him make plays instead. (laughs) Travis Etienne, by the way, has no business on a college football field right now. He should be in the NFL. He would have been a second-round pick last year for sure, but he wanted to make a run at the national title, and that should be scary for Syracuse fans today. Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz with you on Fizz Radio until the 10 o'clock hour. We're going to step aside, but when we come back, some realistic goals for the offense. What would be a win for them? And after that... We're going to get to Grace Rayner from The Athletic telling you everything you need to know about the Clemson Tigers. And I I hear they're scared of Syracuse football. Is that right? (laughs) Debo Sweeney, he's made some comments recently. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Chill down the Clemson Tigers' spine. Syracuse (laughs) is coming to town. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260.
Welcome back to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz with you until 10 a.m. on this Syracuse game day between the Orange and the Tigers of Clemson. And Thomas Syracuse is going to be playing in front of a crowd for the first time in 2020. 19,000 fans in attendance. And look, it's a tall task in front of those 19,000 fans. What are their realistic goals for the offense? Because we talked about the defense, and that is, hey, stop the run game. Even if you don't cover the 46-point spread, if you stop the run game, you can leave the stadium, you can leave Death Valley saying, you know what, that wasn't horrible. That was actual football. What do they have to do on offense to, to kind of carry that mantra out of the stadium? Brad, maybe I'm just a fan of old school SEC football, but I'm sticking with the ground and the pound. Syracuse needs to be able to run the football against Clemson because if they want to control the ball, control the clock, which they're going to need to do just to not have 73 hung on them like Georgia Tech did, oh they need to be able to run the football. And that means Sean Tucker's got to have a good game. He played well against Liberty, but he did not play well against Duke a couple of weeks ago. 12 rushes, 54 yards. Not a bad percentage, but for some reason, Syracuse just didn't really use them the way they needed to. Of course, they got down early in that game. But against Clemson, if you're Dino Babers and you get down a couple scores, I don't think you can start throwing the football. Because you throw the football, you're going to have a lot of picks coming the other way. If you run the ball, at least you're controlling the clock. You're like, I don't want to say play not to win, but play not to win in this game. <laughs> just try not to get embarrassed and try to do better than Georgia Tech. Try to beat the spread of almost seven touchdowns at this point. Yeah. That, that The way they do it is by running the football. Well, Sean Tucker played really well last week against Liberty, and I actually thought he played pretty well against Duke. You know, you're probably not accounting for the times that he was tackled behind the line of scrimmage that affects his net uh, yards gain for, for Syracuse. And that's just a weird college stat that we kind of have to deal with. That's going to be the, the real variable, though. Mm-hmm. Is I think Sean Tucker is probably the most talented player on the Syracuse offense right now. But it doesn't matter if he doesn't get any protection. Yeah, I said it. I over, said over it. T- I mean, our listeners are going to say, well, what, did Taj Harris just leave the roster? What happened here? You know what? Taj <laughs> Harris did something that was not really age appropriate, so he doesn't have a very special place in my heart right now. We do have an article about that on OrangeFizz.net Orangefizz.net. Well. Go check it out, OrangeFizz.net, and check us, check us out on Twitter, at OrangeFizz. Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz with you here on Fizz Radio Airing on the score 1260, you can catch the podcast version on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. We're we're also going to tweet out, or rather send out, the SoundCloud link on orangefizz.net. But yes, I I do actually think that that Sean Tucker is more talented than Taj Harris, because quite frankly, Harris is having a tough time getting open, especially downfield, so much so that DeVito and Culpepper have been forced to throw it into double coverage, and I feel like he's playing cornerback at this point. But I digress. It doesn't matter that if they can run the football because they, they won't be able to, definitely won't be able to, because the offensive line is that terrible. So, like, I, I'm asking for realistic goals here, Thomas. You actually think that's a realistic goal? No, but what nothing on offense that they do is a realistic goal. I'll tell you what a realistic goal is, okay? Don't turn the ball over. You, you mentioned it. You mentioned the turnover battle is going to be big. That's the real X factor, and that's realistic because Syracuse was actually able to do that against Liberty last week. No fumbles, one interception from Rex Culpepper in his first start since 2017, his true freshman season. So my thing is, if you can limit the turnovers, then you can kind of play the field position battle. Nolan Cooney, he's your best player, period, which is kind of sad, but it's true. So he's your best player, 
Maybe you're able to force some long drives on Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. That would be my way of making sure you play for the spread rather than the win because it's not happening on the win. If you don't turn the ball over, then, then you can actually keep it close. If you do and Clemson inherits half fields, it's going to be a long day. I guess my question for you, Brad, is how do you think, how do you envision Syracuse being able to play on offense without turning the ball over? Exactly the way they did it against Liberty. And, and look, I think it's definitely going to be a tougher task because Culpepper is not going to have nearly as much time. You have Miles Murphy coming off the edge. You have Nolan Turner, a two-interception safety at senior, a senior safety for Clemson. So that's going to be difficult for Rex Culpepper, making his second start since 2017, his second start since beating testicular cancer. And it's a great story. But now you're playing against pros. Can you do it? Can the offense, I'm, I'm bashing your pick because of the offensive line, but I'm going to shoot myself in the foot here. Can the offensive line protect Culpepper enough so that he can make the right decision? I will say this, though, about Culpepper. Even though he's only 48% passing last week, 19 for 40 against Liberty, so not great. Three touchdowns, one interception, mixed bag. Mm -hmm. I think his decision-making has been a lot better than it was for DeVito. Oh, I absolutely agree. DeVito made a lot of... Quite very, very questionable decisions. The other thing about Culpepper versus DeVito is Culpepper, well, he doesn't, he throws a lot of wobbly passes, yeah. but at least he gets rid of the football quickly. Yeah. DeVito didn't do that, and against Clemson especially, who has the third least yards against them in all of college football, that defense, ridiculously stingy, uh, and Brent Venable is going to bring the pressure off the edge. They need to get rid of the football quickly. They need to get it in, quote-unquote, their playmakers' hands, the playmakers that they have what left. Play, what playmakers? Taj Harris, oh, okay. Anthony Queeley. Yeah, of course, Anthony Queeley. <laughs> try, try to feed Sean Tucker once the passing game, hypothetically, in this dream world opens up for Syracuse. Yeah. Like, they, that's the first thing. Because, like you mentioned, Brad, this offensive line is horrendous. Aaron Service is probably the best player on the O-line, and it just hasn't looked good all season long. If you get the ball out quickly... Maybe you can get Clemson on their toes a little bit. Maybe Brent Venables doesn't bring that pressure that he generally does. He probably still does, but maybe you can pick it up and give Culpepper that one and a half seconds that he needs to get rid of the football. From there, maybe you're able to open up the running game. Now, there's a lot of ifs here, and I don't think any of this gets accomplished, but that's the way to stay competitive in this game for Syracuse. Well, here's the other thing, and I think the common denominator between your pick and my pick, you think that the realistic goal is that they're able to run the football. Mine is limit the turnovers, keep it close that way. By the way, Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz with you here on Fizz Radio, the score 1260. We're with you until the 10 o'clock hour. You can catch us on orangefizz.net. And on Twitter, at OrangeFizz. But Thomas, I think the common denominator between our two picks is the speed, is the tempo, right? Because maybe Clemson is more talented and they have better coaches and they have better players and they might even, might even be smarter. But are they conditioned enough? I think the answer is yes. In fact, I pretty much know the answer is yes. But can they keep up with the Syracuse offense, the no huddle? Can Rex Culpepper speed it up? Can the Orange Tiki talk up the field and force Clemson out of system? That's really their only chance to have any success on offense. Yeah, I mean, look, Dino Babers, his offense has slowed down this year just because they haven't had the offensive playmakers or the offensive play calls to put their team in a good position. And I think after I think after 2017, Clemson and Dabo Sweeney learned their lesson, and after that game, Dabo said, 
I am never losing to Syracuse again. <laughs> that is not going to happen. And the reason they lost, in part, of course, Kelly Bryan got hurt, but it's because of that up-tempo offense. That threw Clemson off their game. If you're Syracuse, now this is a change of, all right, we're going to go for a win, but we might also get blown out, right? We might have a Georgia Tech pulled on us instead of trying to stay somewhat close in the game because if you go up-tempo, you get a couple three and outs, Clemson's driving the other way, they might score every time they get the ball. If you run the ball, try to control the clock, completely different change but you're also not exactly playing to win if you're Syracuse absolutely but look the the point differential the blowout and to the degree of which Syracuse loses that's actually going to be important for recruiting I think high school players are looking at the box score saying man do I want to lose to Clemson by 74 points or whatever it is something stupid No, the answer is no. And by the way, recruiting is something that Syracuse is already looking at with John Wildhack, the AD, saying, hey, we're committed to Dino Babers. I know there are rumors that a lot of the Syracuse fans want us to move on from him. No, he's going to be our coach in 2021. And he said, quote, hopefully a long time after that. So we'll see. But here's a good thing if you're a Syracuse fan and you're worried about recruiting. Every ACC school outside of maybe Miami, this year UNC, but not traditionally, has to worry about getting blown out by 70 by Clemson. Yeah. This isn't just a Syracuse problem. Obviously, we saw Georgia Tech. It happened to them. It could happen to Boston College in a couple of weeks. Wake Forest. I mean, NC State's not any good. If you're a team outside of maybe a top two or three team in the ACC, you could at any point in time get your doors blown off by the Tigers because there's a reason they're the best team in the country. They got the best quarterback. They got the best running back. They have the best defensive coordinator and the second best coach in college football. They're incredible. Well, we'll find out today if Syracuse gets the doors blown off of them. Like that expression, hey, it's Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Don't go anywhere because we've talked about Syracuse at nauseum. Look, they're one and four. We know about Syracuse at this point. But the undefeated number one Clemson Tigers, they're going to be covered by the Athletics' Grace Rayner on the other side. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Welcome back to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz with you, joined by a very special guest, Grace Rayner from The Athletic, joining the show, Clemson beat writer. And Grace, thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, thank you all so much for having me. It's good to be here. So there's a lot to dissect with this Syracuse-Clemson game coming up. Uh, let's start in Vegas. Even a historic 73-7 to win, even after that against Georgia Tech, Vegas has this 46-point spread that has a lot of Syracuse fans with very disappointing deep exhales. What do you think of this spread? Is it fair? I mean, you know, I think that every time I see the spreads before this week, you know, you've kind of wondered, like, are they a little too low? You know, I think the Georgia Tech-Clemson spread was 28, (laughs) and obviously um, 66 points later, so... Uh, I was not surprised to see Vegas kind of up the ante a little bit. And, um, you know, with no offense to Syracuse, I I think it's close to being appropriate. I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think? It, it seems like yeah. it, it's pretty appropriate. 73-7 <laughs> has a lot of Syracuse fans kind of grinding their teeth and, and maybe has their thumb ready to go on the remote. Just when do I change the channel? You know, is it is it the first quarter? Is it the second quarter? Maybe I make it to halftime. I don't know. Hey, maybe you make it midway through the first quarter, but <laughs> Gosh. Grace, it, it seemed, you wrote a piece or you had a piece uh, with a reader mailbag recently on The Athletic, and I think one of your readers asked about the Notre Dame game 
Is Clemson at all worried about Boston College or SU on the schedule the next two weeks? I know that Dabo Sweeney, he tried to hype up Syracuse a little bit in his weekly press conference, even though uh, since since they lost in 2017, even though it hasn't been close recently. Is Clemson at all concerned with these next two games or even, I don't want to say not spending the time that they don't really need to spend on these games, but are they looking to Notre Dame in the future? I think Clemson fans are for sure. I mean, 100%. The fan base is ready to roll and, and go up to the South Bend. But, you know, I think one of the things that has made Clemson so successful, as cliche as it might sound when Dabo says it, but they, they really have figured out how to convince their players that every single week is the most important week that they have. And they really buy into this mentality of, you know, if we don't bring our best, anyone can beat us any day, any time, any day. And so, um, obviously, this year in college football has been a little wacky to to start with, but yeah, the fan base I think is ready to get it rolling. But the team itself, I think, has done a pretty good job staying in the moment. Talking to Grace Rayner, Clemson beat writer for the Athletic, kind enough to join the show, and we're previewing the Syracuse Clemson game kicking off in a few hours now. Grace, everyone wants to know about Trevor Lawrence. He's the projected number one overall pick. The only question that any Syracuse fan has right now is, we know he's good, but does he have any weaknesses that Syracuse might be able to take advantage of? Because we keep on hearing the superlatives. He's this, he's that. He's the best quarterback prospect to ever walk the earth. What's his kryptonite? Oh, man. I think that's the question that every defensive coordinator in America is trying to figure out. I mean, we spent so much time talking to Clemson this offseason, and they kept saying, you know, Trevor is going to be at another level. And there's just all this talk about taking it to the next level and making improvements. And I think everyone wondered, like, what does that look like for someone who has already accomplished so much? You know, he's 29 and one. He has a national championship as a freshman. And so, um, but lo and behold, you know, he rolls up to Georgia Tech and throws for 391 yards in the first half, a career 404 yards. I mean, he's just operating at a completely different level. He's so confident. He knows this offense so well. He's figured out how to become more mobile. He's extremely versatile. I mean, I just think that that really everything about the way Trevor is playing right now is indicative of the guy we all project to be, you know, the number one pick in the draft here in a few months. There doesn't really seem to be any feasible way that Syracuse can slow down Trevor Lawrence or Travis Etienne, Clemson's all-star running back. But what can Syracuse and Rex Culpepper, SU's QB, expect from Brent Venables on the defensive side? What is he going to bring in blitzes that we might see uh, later on today? Yeah, Venables, I mean, of course, you guys know he makes his name for being very aggressive. Clemson's defense is extremely chaotic. Um, and I think that, you know, as we've seen this season kind of progress, Clemson is now five games in. Um, what I've been, I guess, the most intrigued by is just to see the development of this secondary. You know, Clemson was saying in the offseason that they felt really good about their cornerbacks group, but needed like a second guy to kind of really step up and take ownership of it. Um, but Clemson secondary is playing extremely well. It's linebackers. They don't have the speed maybe that they had last year with Isaiah Simmons running the show, but they are physical. They are gritty. They're many Brent Venables themselves. And in one case, his son is actually uh, a linebacker who contributes a decent amount. Um, but yeah, I mean, Brent, this is just, this is why he's, you know, the, the, the highest paid defensive coordinator in college football. He just is so masterful at, at scheming to what he has, putting his players in the best position and just figuring offenses out pretty immediately. Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz with Grace Rayner from The Athletic giving us the inside scoop on Clemson leading up to their game with Syracuse in a few hours. And Grace, I remember talking to you last year 
about this Clemson-Syracuse game last year. Obviously, Clemson won. And you were telling me about the admiration that Dabo Sweeney and the Tigers have for Dino Babers and the Orange. After the close game in 2018, after the win in 2017 against Clemson, of course, that was in the Carrier Dome. Does that level of competitive respect still exist even after everything that Syracuse has gone through? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that the, the the way that Dabo, you know, in 2017 went into the Syracuse locker room, you guys know that story, after Syracuse beats Clemson, he goes into the locker room and speaks to them, I think just shows the respect he has for that program, for Dino. Um, you know, this this year is a, is a little wacky, and I don't know that we know, knew kind of how the schedule would, would shake out, but obviously Syracuse and Clemson play each other every year anyway, and, and they they got paired again this year. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that there's a respect for Dino and the way he does things. And, you know, they were able to do something a few years ago that, that not a lot of teams have been able to do. You know, they took down a, a really good Clemson team and then in 18 obviously took them right to the wire. So I do think there, there is for sure still that respect and that competitive admiration. Now up here in Syracuse in the Dome, they've made it so fans aren't allowed in the stadium, obviously around 45,000 capacity. Clemson, a much larger stadium. There's around 19,000 fans that are allowed to attend. What kind of advantages has that had this season, and what do you think it could have in the Syracuse game today? Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, when when Miami came to town in primetime, you kind of forgot for a second that there were only 19,000 fans in there. I mean, they were loud. They're also pumping in crowd noise. The band is there. The cheerleaders, they're there. I mean, I just think that, you know, it just creates a, an advantage and that obviously makes it difficult for the heart, for the away team. Um, but, you know, Clemson players just have, have really enjoyed having these fans, even in a, a limited capacity. But for sure, it gets loud in there. And then I think they're using um, – they're using crowd noise from Madden to kind of to supplement things. So it's been interesting to kind of hear the artificial versus the natural. Well, I mean, with the name, image, and likeness rules maybe rolling in in January, hopefully they can start using crowd noise from the college football yeah. video game one day. And, and two players that will definitely have bids for the cover are Trevor Lawrence and we mentioned before Travis Etienne, who potentially is the best running back in the country. He averages nearly eight yards per carry against Syracuse for his career. So Syracuse fans should remember Travis Etienne. Uh, they both become household names. Who should Syracuse be worrying about outside of Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne? Because we know all about them. Sure, I would say two names. Um, senior wide receiver Amari Rogers. He's Clemson slot guy. He's he's five ten. Uh, so you think that he's going to be kind of a shifty inside guy, but he's Trevor's favorite downfield threat right now. I mean, he is just so versatile, so fast coming off that ACL tear. He's fully healthy this year. Um, so he's he's having the best the best year of his career by far. And then I would say um, I would say Braden Galloway, the starting tight end. And I would actually add Davis Allen, the backup tight end, to that too. Clemson hasn't had really any production from their tight ends uh, in the passing game since 2016. And now they have two guys that are just – really making defenses rethink the way that they look at Clemson um, as, as vertical threats. So um, it's a, uh, it, the rich get richer at Clemson, as they say. Well, I'll tell you what, Grace, a lot of Syracuse fans have been calling for more use of the tight ends, but maybe that's just part of Dino Baber's diabolical plan here. Let's just play like Clemson and not use the tight ends. Maybe that's the strategy. I, I don't know. <laughs> Either way, Grace, Thanks so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. If you missed any of the interview, you're not going to want to, so go back and check it out, orangefizz.net, on Twitter, at orangefizz, and on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, everything, all of the above. 
Grace, thanks, thanks so much for taking the time. And when we come back, we've heard from Grace Rayner on the Clemson side of things. Now it's time to hear from you, Fizz Nation. It's Fizz Feedback on the other side. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Welcome back to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz coming down the home stretch here of this edition of Fizz Radio. It's game day, so shortly after this show, just go grab some some Tostitos and go watch the game, I guess. And then shortly after, like 15 minutes. What, turn it off. 20 minutes, yeah. Turn it off. Watch a, a rerun of a sitcom, something like that. Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz again here on Fizz Radio. Check us out on Twitter at Orange Fizz and on our website, orangefizz.net. I say don't linger with the television because it should be a long game for Syracuse. Clemson's favored by 46 points. So with Fizz feedback, we asked you, Fizz Nation, will Syracuse cover? And 73% said no. No. Okay. It, like, 46 points is almost seven touchdowns, Brad. You know what? I don't know. I think Davo Sweeney, I'm going to go the other way. I have zero faith in this Syracuse football team, whether it's the defense with the injuries, the offense with their injuries, and just, we didn't really talk about Sterling Gilbert's just weird play calling, but it's been very strange. Anyways, they're going to be, they're going to get crushed, but I think Davo Sweeney has enough respect. He's shown he really respects Dino Babers, especially after Syracuse defeated Clemson in the Dome in 2017. I think he's going to call off the dogs pretty quickly. I don't even think if he waits till halftime, I think Davo Sweeney might say, you know what? We're midway through the second quarter. We're up, I don't know, 28-0, 31-0. Let's, let's taper off. We don't want to pull another Georgia Tech. And the thing is, Clemson didn't even try to do that to Georgia Tech. They had a walk-on who threw two touchdowns in that game. That's the first time in Clemson history that's ever happened. So Dabo Sweeney was like, all right, let's 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 bring everybody back. And their third and fourth strings were still better than Georgia Tech starters. By the way, we're talking about the 46-point spread. Do you know what happens if you bet a dollar on Syracuse Moneyline just to win outright? What happens? You lose a dollar. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Now you'd win $40. It's plus 4000 So, you know, there's that. I mean, if you want to, you know. Low risk, high yeah. reward, see what happens. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I mean. Take a flyer? Yeah. Like, okay. What's the worst thing? The worst news is you're probably blowing a dollar. You're blowing a dollar. That's one gum, three gumballs? I don't know. What does a gumball uh, go Something for? like that. That's Four a candy gumballs? Bar? I don't know. Something like that. A quarter? Anyway, we're moving on because the most important position, it's quarterback. And Rex Culpepper played Fairly well against Liberty last week. A mixed bag, 19 for 40, one interception, three touchdowns. So we ask you, Fizz Nation, who would you start at quarterback? It's either Rex Culpepper, Dylan Markowitz, or Jacobian Morgan. And Fizz Nation, they're sticking with the veteran Rex Culpepper. 65% of the vote, Dylan Markowitz. Coming in second at 27%. We got a little comment. Guy says, hey, where's David Summers at? He should be on this list as well. David Summers is a guy that maybe if you're really into Syracuse recruiting like we are here at Orange Fizz, he's a Connecticut former high school player, and, you know, he's got a shot as well. I am going to go with Rex Culpepper, Brad. I did write a story last week before the Liberty game saying Dylan Markowitz should start. I don't think he's going to win, but you got to develop for the future. But after Rex Culpepper threw for three touchdowns, granted, against Liberty, one interception, played pretty well even though he only completed 48% of his passes, at least he's your best chance to win. And I think more so than anything, Dino Babers has to instill confidence in his team. And Rex Culpepper gives the team confidence to say, you know what? We like this guy. He's been in the program forever. He's a great story. Let's go get him and let's go try to win. 
See, I'm Team Markowitz, too. I feel like Syracuse should start one of its freshmen at quarterback, and I think it should be Markowitz because I think he has the most talent. And everyone's talking about Justin Lampson as the future quarterback of this team. I think Markowitz has a real shot, even with Lampson on campus. However, I'm not Team Markowitz this Saturday, okay? I don't want my guy getting exposed against Clemson. And you want to talk about confidence. What does that do for an 18-, 19-year-old to be going up against guys that, quite frankly, should be paying, being paid to, be, to play football? That's going to be a blowout and a half. Even, even with Culpepper, it's going to be a blowout. But at this point, just give the game to Culpepper. Maybe the, the last few games of the season, you can start Markowitz. You know what starting Markowitz does against Clemson in his first career starts? It leads to a lot of terrors at night, late night shivers when you wake up from those nightmares of that Clemson pass rush bearing down on you if you're Dylan Markowitz. But the thing is, like, yes, he wasn't that highly, highly recruited, excuse me. His only other big-time offer was Boise State. But Dylan Markowitz is a guy, he didn't start until his senior year of yeah. high school. His 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 uh, his school switched over from a dual threat and then to Markowitz. He was really put in a poor situation there. Absolutely. And, and I, I, we were talking about this before the show. Markowitz was getting attention from Oklahoma State. They wanted him as their Big 12 score-a-lot quarterback. Then they switched coaching staffs, things turned around, and he did not get the starting job in high school just because of a scheme fit. And why change? Because at McKinney, they were making the playoff every year. But what does he do in his senior year? He breaks record after record. He looked really good. And Sterling Gilbert, Dino Babers, they were very excited about him, especially because he played that orange is the new fast system in high school. So there's a lot to like there. But we move on. Ideally, what do you most want to see against Clemson? We're talking about these moral victories. Your options, better run defense, like we both agreed on. No wide receiver drops. That'd be a nice change. No injuries or other comment below. What do we have? So with 49% of the vote, better run defense. No injuries came in second with 34%. I thought that might Just don't get hurt. These are bigger guys. Now, (laughs) yeah, just, just at the end of the day, Try to play safe, hopefully. But the thing is, when you play safe in football, that's when you get hurt, Brad. Now, we did have one of our fellow Orange Fizz members chime in in our comments, Ian Unsworth. He said, give me some better play calls, man. Sterling yeah. Gilbert, like, you, we, there's been – Syracuse has played poorly, and they're out-talented. They're out-manned. They don't have the guys on the roster. But if there's any positive that could be a potential takeaway in this game, Sterling Gilbert's got to try to at least scheme up some good – play designs because this is a game where you can throw whatever you have in the playbook on the field and just see what sticks see but why would you even do that right because you know you you know you're gonna lose either way why would you expose yourself in the same way that clemson's not going to break out half of their playbook why would syracuse break out theirs so this is an interesting question because when you think of playing better teams and oftentimes when an fcs team plays an fps team you think oh they're gonna bring everything well that's not always the case. There was a game, I know Tennessee played Eastern Tennessee State University last Rivalry. year. Yeah, they they didn't bring out anything. They're like, why would we show them? We're going to get killed anyway. So, Brad, your strategy here is don't play to – I mean, oh, yeah. we're not playing to win here. We're just, Syracuse is just trying to make it to the next day and make it to Sunday. Definitely apparently. a tactical advantage. Here's what – Brad's sneaky decision, don't try to win. Just, <laughs> just, just don't do it because you're going to lose anyway. Don't try. Save face. That's the move. But, look – no wide receiver drops is definitely something to look out for. We're talking about Culpepper. We're talking about the offensive line and Tucker. And all of that conversation, all of this previous episode has been worked under the assumption that wide receivers are going to catch the football, which was a huge drive killer last week against Liberty. And against Liberty, 
obviously a 38-21 crushing defeat. You can't have wide receivers drop the football at any level, especially ACC Power 5 football, especially at Syracuse, where Dino Babers, his big thing is, yeah, we develop receivers here. You're going to have a lot of opportunities to go and make plays. They haven't this year, but when you actually get those opportunities, you got to catch the football. And they didn't do that enough, and especially with a guy like Rex Culpepper, who's in his first start since 2017, Brad, like you mentioned, he needs guys to be able to catch the football and Maybe that's your positive takeaway. Guys catch the ball. Yeah. But, I mean, again, how many opportunities are they actually going to have to catch footballs? Because I feel like a lot of those big-time potential first-round pick Clemson DBs will say, oh, yeah, I'm 6'1", 210. Let me just sit my hand in here and bat that thing away. It's going to be really tough for them as well. But, Brett, I also wanted to mention a little bit more about the run defense. Just you need Michael Jones and Jeff Canton-Arku to play well. Those guys are both sophomores who, frankly, look like they could be stars of this defense next season. But that's the frustrating thing. They're both playing well, and yet the run defense is still deplorable. You're still giving up 340 yards to Liberty. So at the end of the day, you kind of have to shrug your shoulders and say, man, if we if we can't do it with Jeff Kentonarku and Michael Jones both playing well, then who do you point the finger at? Maybe it's Tony White. I don't know. Here's the th- Here's the thing. I'm Team Jones. I am one of the biggest Michael Jones fans that you're going to find. However, there are some things that he needs to improve on. His tackling has been good, not great. And considering he's your defensive leader without Andre Sisco, that's unacceptable, right? Yeah, it is. And I think also what needs to happen, and it's not going to happen today against Clemson with guys who are just much bigger on the offensive line, you need your defensive linemen to get a push. You need them to clog up holes. it's not happening. And it's just been... (laughs) It, it, it didn't have it. It's not happening against Clemson. The problem is it didn't happen against Liberty. I know, and and that was really disappointing, right? Because if you put me in a time machine after the North Carolina game and then right before kickoff on Liberty, I'm thinking, man, Liberty's going to get some some pressure on them because Syracuse was able to get pressure on North Carolina, even on Pittsburgh in Week Two. And I was I went on these airwaves and said, ha ha! I've all the three three five critics. You fell into the fallacy that. The 3-3-5 can't get pressure on the quarterback. It's not true. And <laughs> I still think it's, like, kind of not true, but they haven't been doing much of it with McKinley Williams and Josh Black. And it's going to be really hard to get pressure on the quarterback when you can't get pressure on the— It just—it's all of it is a domino effect. Syracuse hasn't been able to do one thing right, so it's going to be tough to do everything right. Again, Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz with you on Fizz Radio, the score 1260. Check us out on Twitter, at OrangeFizz, and our website, OrangeFizz.net. We have a couple of of thoughts left for you. And, Thomas, I'm just looking—we mentioned the injuries, okay? And Syracuse is already banged up. You lose Andre Sisco for the year. Tommy DeVito is out for the season as well. Who else am I missing? You have so many other I mean, guys that are hurt. We want to Eric go Coley. through the defensive roster here. Yes. Like, it's just Jawar Jordan. Everyone yeah. is hurt. So you want to talk about Abdul Adams, Jarvian Howard opting out of the season as if, well? If nothing else, that's your victory. That you actually have half of a roster to go up against Wake Forest the next week. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's... If you can come out of this game unscathed, that's something that you can at least... Sigh a little bit of relief in that. All right, well, at least we didn't lose anybody. Now, Brett, I want to get to one last comment that we had. Ian said, better play calls. And Mike Vidala said, great effort. We need some effort. We didn't, Syracuse fans watching that game at home against Liberty saw a team that just came out flat and played flat. And that kind of goes back to why I think 
the guy should be Rex Culpepper because if there's a guy that the team can rally behind and have some effort, some spark, it's Rex. Yeah, but why do you think that if they didn't do it the first time? I, I, I'm confused. Look, Rex Culpepper, fine player, not an ACC quarterback, and it's really disappointing because when he committed to Syracuse, I thought he had a very real chance of doing so. The clock is ticking on Culpepper's career. I think it's going to be a few more games for him, and then it's Dylan Markowitz time. Either way, a lot to dissect here, and we did so. Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz on Fizz Radio, the score 1260. Go check us out on Twitter at Orange Fizz and our website, orangefizz.net. Enjoy the game, everyone.